0: I'm Andy and uh, this is Andrea and we have Ethan and Aaron with us this morning number one son Owen is 15 and see when we we live in Carrickfergus so we had to leave about just after half eight this morning Uh, so she's trying to get a 15 year old out of bed on a Sunday morning in the school holidays when it's half eight in the morning and you have to travel in the car that wasn't happening so that's a battle we were willing to uh, just leave so he's probably still sleeping yeah, we could Skype him right now. I'm joking. Now we go down like a lead balloon. So uh, thank you, Jason and Michelle. Thank you for the invite uh, for inviting us along. We love the series that you guys have been doing, and you guys have been sharing and taking part in all about um, stories, and it's it's been exciting. We've listened in. Uh, to, I think think to all of them. You listen to all of them. I listen to a couple of them. <laughs> so <coughs> honesty's the best policy. Uh, so yeah. And it's exciting to see what what God's been doing and God will continue to do. And this morning, we've been asked to come and share a wee bit about what God's doing with us and what God's doing in our lives and what he has been doing to this point where we are in our journey, in our story, and what our story is going to look like as we move on. So it's a very long story, so uh, strap yourselves in, but we're going to cut it back, so don't worry. There's a picnic, I believe. so. So... We couldn't possibly go through all of it. Jason said um, at the start of the series that God is the author of our stories. God is the author of our stories. It's not something that we do ourselves. So I'm going to share about listening when God speaks. And Andrea is going to talk about making decisions and what role God has for you in your story. So we're going to kind of split it over the two things. So I'll start with a story. So I'm going to set the scene. Um, it's January 2015, Andrea's birthday is the end of January. I'm Mr. Romantic, so I thought we'll book a, a, a wee weekend away, just the two of us. Nice, relaxing, romantic break in Donegal. This has never happened. My in-laws were going to take the kids for an unprecedented two nights. That had never happened ever in the history of the world. So... Um, so it was great. So we had the two nights away, and it, was, it had a swimming pool, it had a steam room, it had a sauna, and I was just thinking, this is, this is great, this is just going to be, it had been really busy, we had been really hectic with stuff, and just, this was going to be a bit of downtime, bit of us time, just going to enjoy it, uh, and it was going to be brilliant. So we arrived, we got in, said, right, this, this place has a swimming pool, let's, let's use it. Straight down to the pool. I'm in Nepal. I'm, I'm just like you know, kind of like oh, there's a steam room. Oh, there's a sauna. Oh, we go. we're going to do all these things. So I, I then go into the steam room, and it was kind of one of those those. You know, you remember stars in their eyes. You know, tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be yeah, yeah. So imagine the steam. It was like that. You kind of step through the doors, and it was literally like I do not know how big this room is. Can't see my hand in front of my face here. I don't want to put my hand out in case I touch something or someone. This is really quite awkward. So I'm kind of going into the thing. I've managed to sort of find what I think is a chair so I am kind of sit or a bench or something. So I'm sitting myself down. There could have been 50 people in there. There could have been nobody in there. I didn't have a clue. So I'm sitting down thinking this is good. I'm going to cleanse my pores. I'm going to be really nice and fresh after this. It's going to be great. Then I hear the door open, and I don't know whether it's people leaving. Or whether there's people coming in so the door opens and the door closes i'm still just sitting there and then and i hear this voice okay i think god might be asking us to plant a church so then i i'm thinking this is really this is really awkward because you know clearly there's a couple in here having a conversation (laughs) And uh, I'm sitting in the middle of this, and I, I, you know, this is really awkward. How do I get, how, I kind even, of even know which direction the door's in to get out of here. This is kind of like awkward here. So, you know, I think God's asking us to plant a church. This is a conversation that two people are clearly having in here, and it's, uh, you know, it's not for me. So I I sort of just, I, I, I was sort of in two minds. Do I get up and kind of try and feel my way to the door, touching who knows what, or do I just stay where I am? So I, I, I stood, I kind of just sat where I was, and I thought, right, and then it was like, Andy, I think God might be asking us to plant a church. And I'm thinking, right, well, what are the chances? There's another Andy in here, probably quite slim. I guess this is me. And then, of course, I recognized the voice. It was Andrea. And I'm thinking, is that you, Andrea? Is that you? Am I hearing things? Yes, it was It was kind of one of those things that I just... I, but my immediate response, in all honesty, was I, I'm here for a relaxing weekend. I'm not here to talk about church planting. I don't even know what that is. So I was, I went out and I got in Nepal and that was kind of the the kind of build up to to the whole thing. It was a bit awkward. Um, I didn't even want to begin to contemplate what was involved in this In building up to this. I'll give you a wee bit of my background as well. Andrea's going to pick up on that later on. My story is, uh, I had the privilege of being a youth worker. I was a youth worker in three different churches over 12 years. Um, more traditional church settings. Uh, I was a university chaplain for a while, uh, worked in many, many schools, doing assemblies, doing RE lessons and things. That was my role. That was what I knew that God had for me, to work with young people and to, to serve him in that way. And it was very much a privilege, as I say. The positives definitely outweighed the negatives in the whole scheme of things. I loved, seeing, I loved each job, and I loved seeing lives change. I love seeing people come to faith, young people come to faith. I love seeing young people reach out to their friends. And it's just a real privilege, as I've said, to do that. This finished in 2012 uh, at the end of February. My, uh, I was made redundant of the, of the job that I was in. So this is, this is 2012. And in all honesty, at that time, I kind of ticked a lot of boxes as a statistic. Let's get that word out, as a statistic. I was I was exhausted, I'd had twelve years full on youth work, not really much of a break. I hadn't stopped loving Jesus. Hear me when I say that, I hadn't stopped loving Jesus, but I was just done in. I was just burnt out. I'd had enough of church. Had enough of doing church. I didn't really want to serve on a team anymore. Just kind of had, 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 had enough. And I was seriously looking forward to having my Sunday mornings to kind of maybe head down the Lisbon Road, go to a park, go and get a coffee, just have some downtime, maybe even buy a Sunday paper and sit and read it. You know, it was that kind of just, I I really was in that frame of mind. I, I was just done in. Statistically, you see a lot of people who work in churches tick those boxes after a number of years. Look after those that serve you and work for the church. Look after them. I was done in. That was me. However, by the grace of God, we found ourselves going to Carrick Fergus Vineyard. That opportunity didn't avail of itself. And we went and found ourselves at Carrick Vineyard. And there I began a journey of rest, of healing. I needed that. Of learning. Of just being and not doing. Of just being there and being in his presence. And being with other people who were hurting other people that were journeying and had different stories. That's just where God knew that I had to be. So three years on from that point, we're in Donegal. We're in the steam room. At that point, I then retrained. I was unemployed. Obviously, I'd made redundant. I'd retrained then as a teacher. I was then teaching, um, teaching in in secondary schools and primary schools at the time. And... uh, and the thought of church planting, as Andrea says, I think God's telling us we're going to plant a church. The thought of church planting didn't even begin to come into the equation. It was not on the agenda at all. It wasn't certainly something that I thought about. And, and crucially, I didn't want to hear those words, whether it be from Andrea, whether it be from God, whether it be directly to me or in whatever way. I didn't want to hear them. I could hear them, but I didn't want didn't to hear them. After tentative conversations that weekend, thinking, praying, more conversations, and much more praying, I began to lean into what God was calling us to. I knew it was from God. Even the initial sentence, I knew it was from God, but I didn't want to listen. I didn't want to hear it. It was his voice. It just took me a while to tune in. It took me a while to respond and tune in. Up to the point of us coming to Carrick Fergus Vineyard, neither of us knew of. Or even what church planting is. And certainly neither of us had, had that as part of the plan for the story of Andy and Andrea. Or the story of the Howard family. Or the story of what, what we thought was, was out there for us. I'm going to share a passage in the Old Testament. It's from First Samuel. It's from First Samuel 3 verses 1 to 10. Read about Samuel. Who at this stage is a young boy who heard God's voice. But it took him three times to tune in to what was actually being said. So if you've got that, it's 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 to 10. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. So this is unusual. That's what we're, saying. That's what we're hearing here. It's unusual. What happens is unusual. Not many visions, not many interactions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So Samuel goes back and lies down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up And he went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called. Samuel, Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. The precursor to this is that Samuel had been promised to God before even being born. His mother Hannah had promised in, in uh, Samuel 1 verse 11, I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. Here he then grew up under the tutelage of Eli, the priest, the, the elder, the wise one who, would, who was working there, and he was, he was the one in charge, where we read that Samuel ministered before the Lord. That was his doing. Read in the passage, the Lord had not yet been revealed to Samuel. It's only after the wise prompting from Eli, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, did Samuel begin to tune in. God was revealed to Samuel. He had been listening, but he hadn't been tuned in to what God was saying. He heard the voice, but he didn't know what it was. Hearing what God is saying is one thing, truly listening to what he's saying and responding by saying your servant is listening is another. Especially, especially if we'd rather not hear it. And that happens to all of us. We want God to be the author of our stories. We want God to be the one that's writing our stories for us. We need to listen to his voice and we need to position our lives so that we're available to respond. We need to really tune in. It's not easy. It's not easy, especially when it's not the cozy, comfortable instructions we would so often prefer to hear from God. What God revealed to Samuel after that, in the rest of uh, chapter 3, was really hard to hear. Remember, he's been brought up by Eli. So you've got to take that into account. Even after tuning in, he probably felt like tuning out as soon as he heard what God was going to say to him. Because God was going to judge Eli's family because his his two sons had blasphemed against God. And God, in the very first time that Samuel hears him, is hearing that actually he's going to bring judgment down and condemnation on Eli. Verses 17 and 18, Eli says, Do not hide it from me. He's asking, what did God say to you? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide anything from me that he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. Samuel was faithful to what God had said. And he was faithful to Eli by telling him what God had spoken. Perhaps he was in fear of Eli because Eli had brought him up. Eli's his boss. But also, perhaps he's in fear of the threat of the God who had only just been revealed to him, who would deal with him ever so severely (coughs) if he didn't tell him what it was. Samuel learned to listen. He learned to tune in. And he learned to act upon what he was being called to do. And this is all part of being in relationship with Him, being in relationship with God. When we want to get to know someone better, we meet up with them, we spend time with them, we go for a coffee, we invite them around for lunch, we go for a picnic together as a family, as a church family. We converse, we share, we listen, we take time. And it's the same when we're in relationship with God spend quality time with him, involve him in our lives, talk to him, listen to him, tune in to what he's saying through his word, through prayer, through talking together, through sharing together, growing together. When we're in relationship with him and we tune into his voice, he stirs us inside. He draws us close and we learn obedience when that happens. I knew it was his voice speaking to me through Andrea because it stirred me inside. I didn't want to listen, but I knew it. As a husband, I often hear Andrea's voice. (coughs) You know where this is going, but I don't listen. I, I think it's inherited. It's called selective listening. Uh, and my dad is—if it was an Olympic sport—he'd be like a multiple gold medal-winning selective listener. Because if you ask him, if he—if w- you ask him if he wants any money, he is straight in there. But if you ask to borrow money, uh-uh, that's never happening. So years of practice. But in some instances, uh, I have been known to deliberately tune out. I'm being honest here. And husbands, I'm sure you are going to be honest with your wives as well and say that you do tune out sometimes. That's definitely true. But that day in the steam room, I definitely said, I, 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 knew, I knew it was God's voice. I could hear it, but I chose not to listen. But when I changed my posture, when I changed my posture and I tuned in and listened to what God was saying, I knew his stirring in me was a call into something new. It was a call into a new story. I was able to recognize that the chapters God had been writing us into in those three years from me being made redundant to us going to Carrick Vineyard he was (laughs) writing that story couldn't see it at the time but it was a bigger story than we could ever even have begun to imagine that he's leading us into Andrea's going to pick up from there
1: Thank you. I feel like I should be doing a whole, hi, I'm Andrea, but I don't want to disrupt the flow, so I'm just going to carry on if that's okay. Um, And Andy has shared a bit about how hearing and listening to God is so vital if we're going to invite God to be the author of our stories. He has dreams and purposes for us that he longs to see us reach for and grow into. And it's the decisions uh, that we make along the way that can take our stories down a completely different path and andy talked about the time um when he left his last youth work job in 2012 and we had a decision to make and i call this our sofa moment because we remember both of us remember it so clearly and what was the decision we had to decide whether to carry on doing church like we always had or make a change and step out of what we had always known and at that time andy was tired burnt out You know he was for ditching church altogether as he said and i couldn't let that happen and i was praying asking god to help us to make the right decision about how we were feeling about church and what was going to happen for us next you know but i didn't need to worry about it one night we both sat down on the sofa and despite how andy was feeling and despite the things that we had been through we both just looked at each other and said we need to make a move we need to step out of our comfort zone we need to try church differently because we are going nowhere here And I kept saying, Andy, there must be something more to this church part of our faith journey. There must be more for us. And I had really started yearning for breaking out of our normal. And we were both yearning for authenticity, real connection with God and his bride. We wanted more than what we had had. And I'll just remind you about that question that Jason asked a number of weeks ago. What does God want you to want? And that yearning and that stirring for more had come from God. We had invited him into our decision-making, and he showed us that he wanted us to want more, and he wanted us to reject settling for more of the same, and he didn't want us to have Sundays away from church. And so, as Andy said, a few months later, 2012, we find ourselves at Carrick Vineyard. Found it on Facebook, never heard of it. At that time, Andy was signing on. I had started maternity leave. Our third child was on the way. We were facing financial pressures. And actually, when we look back, we had been through quite a lot as a family in the previous three years. We were all over the place. But we were encouraged by our new church family to ask God into all the hurting and fragile and broken parts and places. And that invitation allowed hope to rise in our story once again. And Jason said this, the day you allow God to become the author of your story, then the pages will turn. And I just thought, wow, like that is so true. And so I can, I can say this morning that our pages really began to turn for us from that sofa moment. We invited God in. And there's so many chapters written in our story from that moment until right now. Chapters of God's faithfulness to us, his kindness. There's so many things. I could be here all day. We could, I could come next three weeks as well, tell you all about all the other bits. Um, but it's just too long. But for the first time in a long time, we had stopped trying to write our own story. Of course, God had still been in our story up until that point, but if he hadn't been the author, and we were the ones that were holding the pen, then where did he feature? So here's a good question this morning. What role does God have in your story? If you're not sure, you might want to stand back a bit and look at your story a bit like a book that you're reading, and that's a good place to go from. So in some of our stories, God features frequently in the chapters when the going is good, the God is good paragraphs. God gets the credit when things are going well for us, things are ticking along nicely. He is talked to more, thanked more during those times. He might even get a wee Facebook mention, you know, or we hashtag blessed or something like that in our Instagram. And in those chapters, you've got to church on time. You've even said to Jason and Michelle, oh, I really want to do something, want to volunteer. So hashtag God is good. And in some of our stories, God might appear more of a superhero kind of character. And so we're only required to turn to him if there's a crisis, something that we can't sort out ourselves. So we hit a bump, we pray our best frantic prayers, which is nothing wrong with frantic prayers, by the way. We ask him to intervene. If we don't feel that's working, we send out a few emergency texts, round up a few friends, you know. And then somewhere along the way, when all is resolved, we don't need to write God in again until another few chapters down the road where we are faced with our next crisis. And for others of us, Scott is most definitely one of the main characters in our story. We wouldn't dream of watering him down to a lucky charm or superhero status. He's right up there at the top with family and friends. And in some chapters, he might even feature more than our devotion to our favourite football team. Okay, so I'm being a little bit blasé, but I think you get the picture, you know what I'm saying. There are many of us here that can relate to this story. In different times in my life, I know that I have reduced God to a recurring character in the story, not the author. God doesn't want to be a recurring character in our stories. He's desperate for us to give him permission to be the author. He can write a magnificently better story for us than we could ever ask or imagine. So is God merely a character in your story, or is he the author? (coughs) Allowing God to be the author of our story means we get to be part of the adventure. Look at the adventure that the disciples had. Um, as they follow Jesus from place to place. The stories they had to tell are phenomenal, and we get to read about so many of them. The disciples aren't mere bystanders. Jesus involves them. It's so deliberate and intentional by him. They didn't just watch the story, they became the story. And one of my favorite stories, The Feeding of the 5,000, probably one of the first Bible stories I've ever known, but I love that story more and more now. You know, Jesus could have dropped food out of the sky, or he could have produced it out of a hat like a magician. You know, we didn't need anybody's help, but instead we read in Matthew 14, Jesus said to the disciples, you give them something to eat. And we know what Jesus did with that packed lunch that they had retrieved from the crowd. So have you ever thought of yourself as being part of an adventure story? We all have chapters in our lives where the adventure seems more terrifying than terrific and more worrying than wonderful, but all the best adventures are like that. In all our chapters, God is good, God is kind, and he loves us and he's for us, whatever is going on. We need him to be the author. If we dictated the script, I don't think we would have anywhere close to the adventures that God has in mind for us. Remember, the best novels and the best films, they often have us covering our eyes, don't they? More than once, before we get to the end. Stories that have both trouble and triumph are the stories that have us on the edge of our seats. So I just wanted to say this morning, there are some of you here, most of you here, all of you here, adventures await in your story if you're going to let God take the pen. What does adventure even mean? I just love looking up the meanings of words. In the dictionary, adventure has two meanings, a risky undertaking of unknown outcome or an exciting or unexpected event or course of events. So go a bit deeper and look at the meaning of the word. In the 1300s, adventure meant risk and danger. 1400s, it's meant a perilous undertaking, and in the 1500s, it meant a novel or an exciting incident. Notice that the meaning of the word has started to evolve over time. In fact, it's not really evolved, it's almost retreated from danger and risk over here, sort of through to an exciting incident over here. I don't know about you, but that almost feels kind of watered down to me. And I wondered, is that symbolic of our society as we've gradually entered further into this culture of health and safety and comfort? You know, I am a midwife. I lead groups of pregnant women. We do antenatal education, do a lot of research about parenting and brain development, and a lot of new research is showing that as parents and caregivers, we're not encouraging our children to take enough risks in safe places, and all this wrapping them up in cotton wool could actually be harmful for their development as people. Extending the kingdom of God together can't happen as effectively if our faith is constantly being cushioned. Are we giving God enough space to work with? And you'll know what John Wimber said about faith. Faith is spelt R-I-S-K. So here's a question. If you were to stop right now what you're doing and carry out a risk assessment of your adventure story, of your faith, would we pass with flying colours? I think some of us probably would. And if that's the case, maybe our faith is spelt S-A-F-E. safe. If we're here today and we're saying we're part of this church, this environment, this space, this community and this family of Vineyard Church Dungannon is a safe place for us to take risks in the adventure story of being a Jesus follower. You know, so often I'm talking to someone and I'll hear that phrase and they'll they're, maybe they're making a decision or it's come to a crossroads in their life and, and they'll have figured it out and they'll say, it must have been God because I felt a peace about it. Okay, now, there's nothing wrong with saying that, but you know what I'm going to say about it. More often than not, feeling peaceful is not necessarily a feeling that God gives us. Feeling uncomfortable is often God. God does not call us into the comfortable life. How do we know that? Well, we know about the life of Jesus, and that's the one we're claiming to follow. His life was far from comfortable. And so if God is stirring our hearts for a particular place or a people or a new ministry, as he prepares us for the next chapter, we're not going to feel nice and peaceful and comfortable about the road that we're going down. Often when God begins to stir our hearts, like Andy said, was happening to him, we can feel upset, we can feel nauseous sometimes, we can take on like a physical hurting. So in January 2015, while I was swimming up and down a hotel pool in Donegal, talking with God, my heart was thumping as I got out of the pool and made my way to the steam room. To face my husband i can't say i felt peaceful or great the good news is there was so much steam that i didn't have to look at andy in the face <laughs> so this worked out really really well for me i do believe that was god for sure and he, as he said i said i think god's calling us to plant a church so be rest assured there was no peace about that at all god was calling us to an adventure that had me feeling nauseous from the start and that actually carried on for a long time i would say probably about seven or eight months or so. Anytime I r- thought that this might be happening, I just had this sickness, sickness feeling, this lurching. It was really awful. You know, when you maybe wake up in the morning, you remember, you've got your driving test or you remember you're sitting in an exam in school or you remember you have to have that awkward conversation. It was like that all the time because God kept reminding me, use your plant in the church. <gasps> it was like that. It was awful. And I love this word adventure. And it's something that people have said to us, oh, what an adventure you're going to be on. And that's so true. We love the word. But If we dig a bit further into the meaning of the word adventure, it gets much more interesting. Prior to the 1300s, the word adventure meant this, a wonder, a miracle, accounts of marvelous things. Wow, and I just love that. I'll say it again. A wonder, a miracle, accounts of marvelous things. Surely that's what we're after, isn't it? Surely this is the adventure that we read about in the Bible. And it is, Psalm 86, verse 10 says this, you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Surely we want to be given accounts of the marvelous things that we have seen God do. Like the disciples, we want to see and we want to be part of it. We don't want to just be the bystanders. We want our stories to be full of what God is doing in this kingdom now and not yet. We don't know what's going to happen with Antrim Coast Vineyard. And that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be planting along the Antrim Coast in the autumn time. And we don't know what's going to happen. But these are the sto- kind of stories we want to be telling. And I remember when Michelle's talk a few weeks ago, she said people thought that her and Jason were nuts when they said they were planting a church. We have had some interesting and similar reactions to that. You know, the Antrim Coast area is stunningly beautiful. There, it, there's nothing like it. Has anyone ever driven down the Antrim Coast Road? I mean, it's spectacular. It's absolutely beautiful. Get a clear, sunny day. There's just nothing like it. But Lorne town and the towns around there, they have the same difficulties and problems as anywhere else. (coughs) Loyalist paramilitaries are very influential. Drugs, there's lots of problems with drugs. High unemployment, high levels of social deprivation. And actually, Lorne has very high levels of domestic violence as well. And that's just a few things. Lorne is one of those places that it's often the butt of jokes. So you you might have heard a few jokes about Lorne, definitely. So just let me add in here, if you start to feel uncomfortable or even upset with what others deem to be a bit of banter about a place or a people or whatever, that could well be God talking to you. And that's exactly what began to happen to me. Up until four years ago, we were rarely in Lorne, and then both of us ended up working there. My contract got extended in there. All of a sudden, one day, just out of the blue, when Andy had finished his PGCE, he began subbing in schools in Lorne. And then I took on a different job and I ended up in Lauren for another day in the week. And Andy and I would get together and we'd start to talk about our experiences, about the people we would meet through our jobs. One day I sat with a group of women and they began to describe Lauren to me as hopeless. They'd lived there all their lives and that's, you know, I kind of came in and they were chatting and I heard the word hopeless. And it turned out a young girl had taken her own life um, a few days before and I find myself feeling really angry when they told me about the circumstances surrounding her death. And I cried in the car on the way home. And at that moment, God was writing us into his story. Six months after the swimming pool in Donegal, Hub began and that was a chance for Andy and I to be in a room of other people with similar interests and with the other um, pastors, other vineyard pastors. And we gained knowledge and we had conversations and discussions with people. I have a book that I wrote during that time, and honestly, to me now, it's like gold. But in that time, God was writing us into his story. The words God was giving us through scripture, through church, through training, through words of knowledge, during ministry, wherever, those words began to form sentences, then paragraphs, and then they formed chapters. But for that to happen, we had to allow God to have the pen. He was writing it. We'd love to be able to stand here and say, we've never attempted to snatch the pen back but I'm sure we have plenty of times. And this is kind of us coming into land. Now, that's what we wanted to share with you. I heard Mike Pilavachi say a few years ago, and again more recently, God's love language is obedience. I think actually he says it quite a bit. I think he does the same talk round and round. But you know what? It's so good. In fact, Andy said to me this morning, somebody had tweeted from Naturally Supernatural, I think it's in London, Uh, God's love language is obedience. Mike Pilavachi. So he must have been doing it last night as well. But it's so good. Whenever I heard that the first time, that just stuck with me. It, it just, it, it was almost like, it just almost put the, the whole story into place, the spine of the story. God's love language is obedience. And many people have asked us, why? Why are you planting a church? Why are you going to learn? Why are you doing that? And because what does allowing God to be the author of our story look like? It looks like being obedient. If we hear and listen to god like andy was talking about if we invite him into our decisions that i've mentioned we are giving him the pen but obedience must follow for those pages to turn god wants us to partner with him and he wants us to write marvelous kingdom stories together so here this morning do we want to see god doing marvelous things in our homes in our marriages in our workplaces in our children in dungannon and in ireland God has new chapters ready to write for many of us here today. God is not calling all of you to plant a church like us. And that's only one thing that God's probably calling us to do. But because this is a vineyard church, it is highly likely, don't everyone look down to the floor, but it is highly likely that there are at least two people here this morning and God is waiting for you to hand him the pen. Some of you here will be facing decisions that you need to make. Your sofa moment is coming up shortly. Or maybe when I've described that, you've suddenly thought of something that happened last night or the week before. Your sofa moment is coming soon, and it will be allowing those whispers of the Holy Spirit to guide your decision-making, which may change the direction of your story. A few of you here are called to stay right here and be faithful where you've been, and you've been planted here for a reason. Maybe for some of you today, you haven't really put your roots down here, and you're not really all in for whatever reason, but maybe today is the day God is saying, trust me trust me. And some others of you here are called to stay right where you are too. And let's be really truthful for a moment. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is stay put. Sometimes it really would be easier to just move on, move on. And that's why we have so many people finding themselves, you know, going around different churches and they're not settling. Church is like family. And so that means it can get messy sometimes, you know, and that's true of any church. And I don't know you here and i don't know what goes on but all of us in our humanity can do or say things that don't bring out the best in us or in others so sometimes staying means sorting sometimes staying means saying sorry to someone making the decision to say to stay when things haven't gone to plan is really really tough yet often through the process through the pruning and the healing god is working on an amazing story you see for many of you Here, God has an incredible vineyard story that he is dreaming over you right now for Dungannon. God has dreams of salvation for Dungannon. God has dreams of new ministries and compassion projects and local business transformation for Dungannon. Many of you here will be present and part of the marvelous things God does in and around Dungannon, but he's waiting. He is waiting for us to give him the pen. And he will keep waiting. I don't know what you've thought of this story series so far, but it is full of challenges. Nothing is straightforward. If we came to this, or entered into this Christian life thinking it would be a breeze, you'll probably know by now, it isn't, it just isn't. God does not call us to the comfortable. He calls us to be like him, with him in this kingdom story, and it's magnificent. And if you've been part of any of these kinds of stories that I'm talking about, when you see God working, when you've been faithful and something happens, it is amazing, it's incredible. Every emotion goes through you sometimes, crying and just, wow, and you celebrate those moments together as church family, it's just amazing. But there's just more and more, God has so much more of that. And I know that Michelle and Jason and others who lead here will be just, oh, they'll just be like, come on, they'll have been on their knees for you so many times, they'll have been on their knees for Dungannon so many times for Ireland. Just asking God to move and work in these people. And guys, we have to give him the pen. We have to stop writing our own stories. Our stories are nowhere as good as God's. We're not going to see God working if we don't give him the pen. Let's stand together.